This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. Hello, everyone. It's me, Nigel Seeley, and welcome along to the final edition this week of Betting Weekly Game Bet Match, the tennis podcast brought to you in association, well, association with Bet Rivers, your hometown sports book. I'm delighted to say joining me is our senior ATP Tour handicapper, Sean Calvert. We're looking ahead to the matches tomorrow on Saturday on the first week of the Asian Swing. And the Asian Swing, Sean, hasn't been that kind to us so far, has it? Not yet, but it could still be very good. We got. Yeah. Uh, we I was going to come on to that. I, 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 I was. I was going to come on to that. I didn't want to just. Were, I was okay. going to say that's the bad news, and then we got the good news. So that. Oh, okay. Uh, I wasn't, I've, I've, it wasn't all negative. It wasn't all there. negative, my friend. Uh, yeah, it's, it's not been great for underdog winners so far. There's only one today out of seven. Fortunately, it was it was the one we wanted, which was was Nishioka, which is the one we talked about yesterday, the one I was about to mention just now. Um, which is which is kind of unusual for for the Asian Swing. I know it's not. This tournament's not been played for for four years, but there was tennis, you know, in Seoul and that last year. Um, you know, plenty of underdog winners. So it's 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 been a bit of a strange season actually. The the, the tournaments that have historically been the ones that I've always targeted that have consistently over the years had a, a very high return of underdog winners. Pretty much all of them this year haven't, and it's been some of the some of the other tournaments where you don't normally get them. That, that have produced the, the more um, the more value. It's it's been quite an unusual year in, in many ways, and and that's that's kind of one of the ways it has been unusual. What was unusual today, or maybe probably was a bit unusual, Tara Daniel. I mean, I text you. Not unusual. That's pretty normal. This morning, it's seven match points. I think it was in set one to take that opening set. We yeah, would have been minus... up in the tiebreak, and then I think he had another four set points after that. I think we would have been about. I would, I'm guessing we're probably about minus two fifty to win the match, and he didn't obviously win the match. He lost. Uh, O'Connell got the better of him in the second set, but the opportunities, and that seems to be what's happening here. We're getting the value all this time yep. here in great match winning positions, in great uh, trading positions. If you want to trade in play betting, which a lot of people do like to trade, um, but we haven't get them over the finishing line, and that's been pretty much the case. Not only in this tournament, it's been the case in the last probably six to eight weeks, really. Mm. Great value bets, odds that are being bet. We're beating the money line. We are we're we're, we're getting we're getting a fantastic run for our money, but our players just aren't capitalising on the big points. I mean, it happens like this, doesn't it? But this is seems to be gone for a little bit of a long time now. Mm. You can you can have these these runs. You know, we we had a spell earlier in the season. I think we had something like ten winners in a row or something like that. Um, last season, pretty much everything we we did kind of came off, didn't it? Mm. You know, if we'd have kept a PNL last season, it would have been you know, off the charts, really. Um, maybe we're paying a little bit back for that this season. You do, you do get these spells where just whatever you do, you're making the right bets or or mainly the right bets, majority, vast majority of the right bets, but you aren't getting the results. That does happen. Um, you know, anyone that sort of comes in here and thinks, well, you know, these guys made a, a huge, huge profit last year. They're going to make a huge, huge profit this year. It doesn't, it doesn't always work like that. You, I'm doing nothing different to what I was doing last year. Mm. It's just that, more things were coming off last year than than they are this year. That it does happen like that. I 
I think I think I think it's frustrating more more than anything, Sean. I mean, if you're betting someone that, and at minus one twenty, or you're betting someone at plus one ten, they got big six love six three. You'd hold your hands up and say you got it completely wrong. I think I think the fact that the, some of these matches that we're having, they're pretty hard to get your head around. I mean, the Bergs match yesterday was pretty difficult to take. This morning in the Tara Daniel one, as I said, six or seven match points in set one. And some of the other ones, they're not, they're not, they're just really bad beats. And we're getting a lot of really bad beats at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it does happen. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's as simple as that. People coming in saying, oh, you know, I've been only been watching this show for like a couple of months. You know, they, they probably think, what well, what's going on here? But, you know, longer term viewers will, will kind of know what, what is possible. But you can't always have great spells. Whatever you do in any form yep. of betting, you're always going to have a bad, a bad run, aren't you? Or, so, or if you're doing it for a year, like like tennis is kind of eleven months, isn't it? You are going to have, you know, several bad spells and that, and several good spells. That's that's how it is. I think we're having a bad run, but I don't think we're having many bad bets. I don't, I don't really think don't, we are. No, I don't, I don't. I think that's the difference. I think if you watch, if you watch some other people talking about betting, you think that's a bad bet. That's a bad bet. I don't think. I think the argument we've made is exceptional, and I think we just haven't had a bit of luck. And uh, hopefully, we're we're going to turn a little bit of luck around. But that was the bad news, and you, you sort of preempted what I was going to say there. But the, the yeah, good I news is, is Nishioka is through to the quarterfinals over in Zhuhai. Uh, um, he was our pick at twenty to one. He comes through uh, a bit of a tough test against uh, Lloyd Harris in in very very hot conditions. He's through to the quarterfinals. He's up against Jean Leonard Struff. We haven't mm-hmm. we're not feature that match there, but uh, we're waiting for the lines to come out on that. But in his I think Nishioka's of... favourite is about one point six. Well, that, yes, I was going to say he's got. He, he, you've got to fancy his chances in Asia, uh, in the conditions which is sweltering hot against an opponent that's had injury problems and just coming back. Very big guy as well. You wouldn't yeah. have thought that that would be ideal conditions for him. The, the, the fast court would be would be helpful for Struff, but it was also helpful for Harris. And you know, Nishioka just about managed to to nullify the Harris serve. He did win about twenty percent more points on second serve Nishioka, as I mentioned. In the show yesterday, that that Nishioka did previously against Harris, he, Harris just was just able to just serve his way to victory on the on the previous occasion. He wasn't able to do that today, even in the very very quick conditions. You got to fancy Nishioka to to get to the semi-finals there. Well, let's hope he gets to the semi-finals. Let's hope he gets to the final, and let's hope he wins it. You won't know if we we won't even be speaking about that uh, until we come back next week on Tuesday. It's our final podcast of the week. As I said, it's the Asian Swing, which means. The days this week and for next month are very different. Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday until we revert back to Europe and we go back to the traditional Monday, uh, Wednesday, and Thursday. So a uh, little bit of change in the schedule there. Um, let's have a look at some matches. Uh, we're over in Chengdu where the conditions were a lot, lot cooler than what we find in Zhuhai. And the first match we're going to speak about is uh, uh, a very one-sided match, actually. Lorenzo Massetti, uh, the world-ranked number 18. I think he's number two seed here, isn't he? I think he's number two. Yes, I think, I think he is, yeah. He's up against Philip Segulik. Now, I don't know anything about Segulik. Um, Sean's going to tell me all about him. He's 325 in the world. I do know that. He's Austrian, uh, Australian, sorry. And he's 20 years of age. Just celebrated his 20th birthday at the start of this month. He's a heavy underdog. He was plus 850. Lorenzo Massetti is 1430 on the money line. So if you're going to bet him in a single, you, you've got to have uh, a lot of money and you're going to have uh, a lot of, uh, in a tournament like this, you're going to have to be very brave. I won't be touching that. On the handicap, it's a five and a half start for the young Australian. He's minus 130 with a five and a half start. Massetti is the outsider at plus 102. And the total here is pitched at 19 and a half with the over a slight favor at minus 125. Philip Sekulik, nothing about him. The floor is yours, Mr. Calvert. Tell me all about this young Australian. 
Okay, so he's had he's found some good form this week, Sekulic. You know, he made this is his first ever main level main draw match this week. Um, when he beat Borges in round one, I watched all of that match. Uh, he was playing ITF level as recently as July, Sekulic, and he's only played 18 matches in his career at challenger level. So very inexperienced at the higher levels, but he stepped up to make the final the Granby challenger towards the end of July. Um, then his form's kind of dipped again. He lost, he's lost the last two tournaments uh, prior to this, both to the same player, Lee two, both in straight sets. Um, and now he's come in qualified here, beat Borges. As I said, I watched I watched him beat Borges. He's got some decent weapons. He's got a, a reasonably powerful serve, decent pop on it uh, and some power on his ground strokes as well. So he's got, he's got the weapons to, to trouble the better players on his, on his better days. He was able to push Borges back. Uh, we know that Borges doesn't like facing um, the bigger servers. He's not, he's not got a huge serve second, but it's 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 decent. It's, it's reasonably powerful, and it was and his ground strokes combined with that serve were enough to push Borges back, uh, and it forced a lot of errors out of Borges. And uh, you know it's a very good performance from Sekulic. If he plays that level again against Massetti, it, it it could be trickier this than than the odds suggest. Massetti's coming off the back of two what he would consider to be pretty bad losses to opponents ranked outside the top 150 in the world. Uh, Drogay beat him at the US Open and Diallo beat him last week in Davis Cup. So he's he's not exactly going to be coming in here, Massetti, full of confidence, is he, after two defeats like that? He's he's too young to have played the, the pre-COVID Asian swing, Massetti. So he's not really proven in these conditions either. Um, I think this could be a... I think it's asking a lot for Massetti just to rock up here and win this like 6-3, 6-2 or something like that. I'm not sure I see that happening. Um, the bets that I'm kind of, well, the leans really, the leans that I'm looking at here, over 20 and a half games uh, looks pretty decent. That's plus money, plus 115 at Bet Rivers. Or this one looks pretty decent as well. Set one over nine and a half games. That's plus money as well, plus 107 with Bet Rivers. You know, I can't imagine Massetti has spent much of his life looking at Sekulic play. I can imagine he's probably watched a video of him now, but you know he won't really know what to expect until he's until he's on that court with him. So I think those two props are, are pretty interesting in that match. Also for him, it's um, not much money. You know, to the incentive, you know, it's not not a huge amount of money for him. He's got bigger fish to fry. He's had a long year. He's he's not going to make Turin. So these are the kind of players towards the end of the season that you you look at and think, well, what is the motivation for? They've had a tough year. The clay court campaigns are eased down now. And it wouldn't surprise me at all in a tournament list where Seglick gets the better of you. He's plus 850 uh, on the money line. Uh, the five and a half interests me as well. But there's a whole different, many different ways to get with the young Australian uh, on the Bet Rivers website. There's 24 different markets. And this match starts at 2.20 a.m. Eastern time tomorrow. So it's an early start. So when this podcast goes live, you only have a few hours if you want to place a bet on that. And if you're up at 2.20 in the morning and you can't find it on your television, you know, I know the Americans have... So many different television channels. We only have five, uh, apart from cable TV, but there's so many different channels. If you can't find it, you can watch it by placing a live bet or any bet on the Bet Rivers website. And you can sit and live stream that match, Shigalik against Masetti at 2.20 a.m. Uh, we're siding tentatively towards the underdog here in all kinds of different markets, but uh, Masetti is a very overwhelming favourite, minus 14.30, but you have to be a very, very brave man to be taking those heavy odds on the Italian. Uh, the next match we're going to talk about is the first match on court. It's tomorrow at 1 a.m. Eastern time, and it's Marcus Giron, the American, up against Arthur, Arthur Rendenick. Uh, Rendenick is a, a player that you've said 
Sean, that you thought might go deep in this tournament. Is he outsider here? He's plus 102. Uh, Juan is minus 125. They have met previously. They've met twice before. And Juan has won them both uh, many time, many years ago in a challenger in Sarasota in 2019 on, on a clay court. And then they met in Mets in a tight, in a very close match, which he come through 6-4 in the third set in 2021. Uh, on the world rankings, they're very, very similar. Uh, on the betting, they're very, very similar. Um, slight slight favour for Giron. The handicap is a one-and-a-half star for uh, Rindenick. He's a heavy favourite, though, minus 132. And the total is very high, uh, very high total. It's 23-and-a-half. And that's not a surprise when you consider the last time they met was 32 games. Much closer now in the rankings, much closer now in the betting. 23-and-a-half. Um, it seems high, but probably that would be the lean that you would have going over rather than under. Yeah, you can see why it's it's priced as it is in terms of the total games. As you said, the head-to-head 2-0 to gear to Giron, the most recent one. Giron was actually a, a 2.61 plus 161 underdog in that Mets match in, in 2020, uh, 2021. Now he's favourite. So immediately I'm thinking that's, that's not fabulous value on Giron. Just looking slightly further into the head-to-head, it shows that Giron's won... 11% more points on second serve than Rindikinesh in those across those two matches. And he's won 4% more return points. So he certainly had the edge over the over the two matches, Giron. And Rindikinesh has only broken Giron's serve 10% of the time in those two matches. So Giron's holding serve, you know, getting on for 90% of the time, which kind of explains, Rindikinesh obviously a big serve as well. That kind of explains why it's, it's over 23 and a half. But Giron's he struggled this season. He he really has just not it's not kicked it's not kicked on for him this season at all. He hasn't been able to string wins together. He's only won back to back matches in six out of the twenty two tournaments that he's played in twenty twenty three. Gear on so that's that kind of shows you how his consistency has has kind of deserted him this year. But on the flip side of that, he should still have a little bit more energy left than than some of the others in this tournament. Neither man's played the Asian swing at main level before, so they're both kind of new newish to this part of the world this this stage of the tour i mean the odds kind of on the head-to-head they look about right but i couldn't back gear on at this price but when he's been priced up as slight favorite gear on he's had a pretty poor record lately he's lost seven of his last nine matches when he's been priced up from i think 1.71 to 1.9 um favorite he's lost seven of the last nine in that price range so he hasn't been a reliable kind of uh, a favorite at that price for me, it's. I think this is a winnable match for Rindikinesh. You know, if he plays his best tennis, you know, it, that could look quite a nice price on Rindikinesh. So it's a slight lean for me for Rindikinesh, but there's one or two other bets that I, I prefer a bit more today. Yeah, slight lean for Rindikinesh. Uh, Sean was quite keen on him to win the tournament as well. So if you've got a nice price on Rindikinesh to win it on Sean's lean, then don't bother playing the plus 102. Just hopefully he gets through and get, makes it through to the... Quarterfinals. These are the last 16 matches we're talking about here in Zhengdu. Uh, the next match. Now, these are two, in my words, I use the word headbanger. I want to use headbanger. They're people that I just don't want to try. It's complete and utter headbangers. You have got no idea what to expect from these two players. And this one here is a battle between two headbangers. Uh, Mimor Kekmanovic up against Corentin Mute. Um, Mute is just just a... You've seen him a couple of times live, Sean. I mean, he does Mute Many things, times, as you yeah. said. He's, 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 he's an absolute nightmare to bet on. Um, I've seen him in such great winning positions and completely make him fold. Kekmanovic, I think, is probably one of the most mechanical tennis players that I've ever seen. I don't think, you know, he 
when I see him produce some of the results he does sometimes, I think, how on earth can that guy produce them? And then I see him, when I think I've, I've, I've been suckered in, I've bet them, I see him play again, he's playing absolutely terrible. Um, so these are two players that have never done me any favours here. And if you look at their record this year, they're both having terrible, terrible seasons. Both of them uh, are showing losing records or not even a winning record. Mute showing a losing record on every single surface. Kekmanovic is um, level on claim nine and nine, but uh, losing on every other surface. So these are two inconsistent players. They've only met once before, but we can discount that match because it was in 2020 where Kekmanovic won, but Mute had to retire. Uh, in the match. Um, the odds here are Kekmanovic minus 180, as I said. Mute is plus 143. I couldn't bet either of these. Or hopefully you might have a bet here. But two and a half is the spread, and the total is 22 and a half, with the under the favourite of minus 118 and over available at minus 108. Um, Sean, I've lost so much money on these two players over the years. Uh, uh, it's, I've got no interest or no idea of this game, but if you've got a betting angle, I'm all ears. It was last year in Naples, wasn't it, when they met? Yes, Manovic and Mute last year. Yeah, because I was there. It was it was that tournament where <laughs> I'm sure people will remember it was an absolute farce. There was all sorts of problems with the court surface, and you were stuck there for a few days. Were you stuck it stuck out? There? Yeah, that there was a there was a strike as well. There was um air traffic control, not not just air traffic control, public service um personnel strike across everything, trains, buses, everything. So I was stuck. I was in Naples for nine days in the end. So I got got to know the city quite well, but. That particular match, if anyone remembers it, it was it was the 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 court and the stadium was right next to the sea, and later in the day, all the spray came in off the sea and it made the court surface slippery. And Mute just didn't fancy it. He played. I think he went five three down in the first set, and then he just went, "I'm not having this. I'm not playing in these conditions," and he just retired. Which that kind of sums Mute up really. And again, he was in another one of his weird moods in round one against Mu. Um, he was using the underarm serve a lot, um, particularly in the second set, I think it was, Mute. Uh, he was having his usual running dialogue with the umpire. I couldn't quite hear what he was saying, but there's always something. He's always jabbering at the umpire about something. It doesn't normally take much to start him off. Um, as I say, last time he retired against um, Kekmanovic because the court was too slippery. He's had wrist problems as well this season, a lot of um, issues with that wrist, so he's not been able to, to play at his best. Um, but Kekmanovic, you know, can he be trusted at minus money? I'm not not so sure. As I look at the stats, in 2023 at main level, away from Clay, as you said, um, it's actually Mute that leads the service points one and return points one tells narrowly by 97 to 96. And he also leads the service hold and break totals by 96 to 93. So, you know, these are poor stats from, from Kekmanovic. You know, former world number one junior, he is a great ball striker, but there isn't, it's just a mental thing for him, I think. He's, the serve isn't great, and that can sometimes go awry. He, he, at his best, he's a great he's a great player to watch in terms of his ball striking. But the, the fragility of his of his mental side is is what's always held him back, and probably always will. Um, Kekmanovic has only broken serve fifteen percent of the time this season away from clay, so his return games let him down as well this season. He wasn't selected for the Davis Cup singles either. Kekmanovic, he was, he was overlooked in favour of Lajevic and Jere, which. You know, if you're you'll be an overlooked for Lajevic on a, a sort of reasonably paced, um, quickish hardcore, you know, you, you've got problems. He also doesn't have a great record in the Asian swing. He's won just four out of his eleven main level matches on the Asian swing. So there's not a lot going for him here at this this price, Kekmanovic. However, we are talking about Karentin Mute, which is clearly massively off putting because of his the combustible nature of his 
of his personality. He's playing the the um, China-Japan swing for the first time, Mute. Kekmanovic doesn't have any any apparent weaknesses against left-handers. 49% win rate against lefties versus a 50% win rate against right-handers. So no real problem there for Kekmanovic. But if I was betting in this match, I would certainly take Mute on the basis of the, the fact that he does lead the stats away from clay on the quicker surfaces this year, which is a bit of a surprise, but he does. Um, if you're betting in this match, take Mute. However, do it watching behind the sofa or something because it won't <laughs> it won't be pleasant at times. It certainly won't. He's plus 143, Kek is minus 180. Uh, I think this is a perfect trading match. I think if you if you wanted to bet both players at plus 140 in play, take the plus 143 Mute now and you probably get 143 on Kek in play and you'll be able to guarantee yourself some profit because both of them are going <laughs> to capitulate at some stage. It does, it, it, it's not it's not a match to, to interest me. And having a money line bet and sticking with it, trade it, have a little bit of interest in play because that will be uh, my angle there. Obviously, Bet Rivers have all, uh, a massive amount of in play on the tennis as well. So head to the Bet Rivers website during that match. And I'm just going to get you the time of that match. That match starts again at 2.20 a.m. So a very early start tomorrow morning, Saturday morning. This is coming to you live uh, on in the UK time, early evening on uh, Friday. And we'll be live. Uh, we'll be out on, on, the, on the podcast around about Friday evening. So you only have a few hours to get on those three matches we mentioned there in Zhengdu. Um, conditions in Zhengdu are a lot cooler, aren't they, Sean? It's, it's not, yeah. they're not really worried about the heat, but the next tournament we're going to talk about now, it's totally different. It's the same country, but massively different climate. We're moving across to Zhu High, and there's no Zhu that's high in, there at the moment because it's absolutely sweltering. Before we go into the matches, Sean, we've got two matches we want to talk about. Just give us a little bit about the conditions here that the players will find themselves this week in Zhu High. Yeah, this this looks like a one of those rare courts on the ATP tour actually, which which does favour the the attacking player. You know, we've talked at length on this show about how the courts are, are, have slowed down a lot over the recent years, and and this this obviously was a, a very slow court in 2019. It certainly isn't now. They've they've changed it massively. It's it's um a first strike court. It's not easy to defend on this court if if you're hitting your spots as a server and hitting your plus one forehands. Well, you, you know, it's very, very difficult to defend. Um, I haven't got all the stats in still, but if we just take Lloyd Harris, he's held serve 90% of the time in his two matches here. Um, and that kind of shows you what is possible with, with first strike tennis. It's not always possible to get those sort of numbers um, on a lot of these services. So certainly quicker, but perhaps equally as important to that is the fact that it's, it's so in, insanely humid here you know it's going to be another very very hot humid day um on saturday in in zhuhai between 35 getting up to 38 c which is 100 fahrenheit um which is very very difficult to play in you know and, and there's hardly any wind in there as i said it's, it's a very built-up arena this with just like a, a small roof at the top so you don't really get much much wind not that the wind would probably cool you anyway at that temperature but you know, conditions are, are very, very, they're quick and they're, they're very, very difficult, very, very physical, hot and humid. Yeah. And which is not going to help uh, England's and uh, Britain's, because oh, Britain's, what's that? England's, uh, sorry, Britain's Andy Murray. We'll have you for that. I know. I Sorry. Sorry, Andy. Sir Andy, if you're, if you're watching this, I'm, I'll listen to this. I apologize for that. It was a slip of the tongue there. But Britain's <laughs> Andy Murray is up against Aslan Karatsev. And, you know, talking about heat, 100 degrees, a man with a metal hip. 
comes to the end of his career. How old is he now? 34? 36, 36, I think. 36. I think. Of the top 100, of my head. 100 degree heat um, metal hip. Well, he's up against Aslan Karatsev. You talk about someone who likes to hit the winners and likes to play attacking tennis. The Aslan Karatsev is certainly that opponent. Uh, Murray is minus 148 here and Karatsev is plus 120. And uh, when they first, when they've, they've met once before, which was probably in kind of similar conditions, I would have thought. It was in 2022 at the early start of the year last year in Sydney, where it's very hot, very warm. And uh, Karatsev won on a fast court 6-3, 6-3 in the final in Sydney. Uh, he's plus 120 here. And Karatsev has had a decent run. I mean, his record at the... At the he played well at the US Open, didn't he? he reached round three, beat Leheka round one. Great win for him. And run into an informed Ben Shelton on, on in round three. But he, he did play well. Murray... I was at the match where he played Dimitrov, didn't play at all well. And that was a very, very hot day that day. A very, very hot day. And by set two and three, the, the first set was a real long set. Lots of rallies, lots of long rallies, lots of Jewish points, advantage points. And Murray was hanging by set two and set three, absolutely out on his feet. Um, so the conditions aren't going to suit Murray here. Minus 148. Yeah, it's too short for me. He is 36, by the way. Right. Um, he's 36 in May. So he's, yeah, 36 and a bit. Yeah, as you said, the head-to-head Karatsev won comfortably in that Sydney final. Um, he was very slight favourite that day. I think he was about 1.9, just a very, well, priced up as a, a very, very slight favourite. Um, won it reasonably well, you know, well, very well. He won, actually won 72% of his second serve points that day compared to just 33% for Murray. So overwhelmingly better off the ground. That was one of Karatsev's good days. You know, he doesn't always have those good days, as we know. You know, when he's good, he's very good. And when he's not, he's pretty bad so there is that kind of hit and miss element to to take into this um but if he's ever going to have a court that suits him it, it's this one you know he can he can play his style of play here there's no wind as i've said so that kind of favors the attacking players um it's a quick court anyway and you know it's a difficult court to defend on and, and that's generally what murray does you know he, he He's not a front foot player generally. He's a, he's a guy that likes to redirect pace and work the angles and, you know, find his opportunities that way. But I think he's going to find at this stage of his career, 36 years of age in 100 Fahrenheit temperatures with this very, very high humidity, he's going to find it difficult to defend. I think he's, if he's going to win this, I think he's going to have to rely on Karatsev just losing his radar and making a ton of unforced errors. Which, 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 is, which is possible, yeah. It is possible, but would you back Murray to win it at that price? No. I I definitely wouldn't. I feel this is all, as most Karatsev matches are, it's all on his racket. It's it's all about him. Um, on a court that favours the aggressor, I'm, I'm happy to take Karatsev. If we just look at the the stats um, of the last 12 months, main level on this surface, outdoor hard, Andy Murray's got a better win rate, 63%. His service points won, return points won, total is 101. Karatsev is 100, so a slight advantage for Murray there, but on the service hold break totals, is actually Karatsev that leads 103 to 101. So there's not really much in the stats that would suggest Murray should be the price that he is. My, my only concern with Karatsev, really, apart from the fact that he could he could go completely off the rails as he, as he does sometimes does, is, is also the fact that he did pull out of the doubles. Um, I think it was today, citing a back injury, but I suspect that's just because he doesn't want to play doubles on top of singles in conditions like this, he probably wants to have a rest because it's, you know, he had a tough first round match um, against Arnaldi. He's obviously expecting a tough match against Murray. Probably doesn't want to play doubles as well. So at these prices, I'm I'm happy to take Karatsev. Yes, it's a risk, but I just think Murray's too short. 
Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Plus 120, obviously, if you go in play as well and it goes down deep into a third set or tight in the third set, Murray could be opposable in these conditions here. If you look at the, the props, there's 29 different props available on the Bet Rivers match on this match, sorry, on the Bet Rivers website on this match. Uh, the handicap here, the spread is two and a half. Uh, Murray minus two and a half is plus 102. Karatsev plus two and a half, minus 129. And the total is 22 and a half. Uh, we have another Brit in action tomorrow in uh, Zhuhai, and that's Cam Norrie. He's up against Mark Pullman's. And um, since we got the graphics from our graphic man, John, the lines have changed in Cam Norrie's favour. Cam Norrie's now a heavier favour than what he was. He was minus 370. He's now minus 420. Uh, Mark Pullman's is out to plus 310. He was originally plus 280. The spread is three and a half. Uh, Cam Norrie, a very heavy favourite, minus three and a half, and minus 175, probably go up to four and a half now with that market move for Cam Nuri. And the total is 21 and a half, very much the same. Minus 110 for overs and minus 114 for unders. Um, Nuri seems to have given up for the season. I think it's fair to say. I don't, I don't know if that's a bad thing to say or not, but since he lost at the US Open, he hasn't won a match. He was terrible against Rarinka and Bear in the Davis Cup, lost them both. Um, lost in the first round, Cincinnati, Monfils, first round, Dimonor. Um, had just that one win, two, two wins at the US Open against hardly anybody. So, um, Pullman's come through qualifying here, hasn't dropped a set. I don't understand the money for Norrie here at minus 14. No, I don't, unless they've seen something that we don't know. Um, I can't see much enthusiasm for backing Cam Norrie here. It's you know, he's in, he's in wretched form. Um, as, as far as Pullman's is concerned, you know, he comes here in, in very good form having made the final of the Guangzhou Challenger last week in obviously very, very similar conditions. Actually should have won that match. He had three match points to win it in straight sets to win that title um, against Atmain. Um, managed to, to not take those chances and ended up losing it in, in uh, a final set. On top of that, he's now won three matches here. So he's, he's very much attuned to these conditions and he obviously doesn't mind at all playing in these, these very, very hot and humid conditions. Um, Mark Palmans. all He's not, he's not played this sort of level of opposition very often in his career. In fact, he's only played the only three occasions that he's played a top 20 opponent in his career were all against the same player, Christian Garin. And he lost all three of them. But he did he did compete reasonably well. He certainly wasn't outclassed. Um, so happy with his his form. And he will obviously be highly motivated because, you know, he doesn't get many chances at, at main level. I think it's, um, I think this is his first time at main level since 2021. First time in two years he's played at this sort of level. So he's not gonna he's not just gonna be accepting defeat lightly here at all. You would think he would be highly motivated, arguably perhaps more more highly motivated than Cam Norrie. You know, Norrie Norrie's coming in here having lost seven of his last nine matches. As you said, he was winless in the Davis Cup. I can't, I can't imagine his confidence is is high. He's been bad for a long time as well. It's not, this isn't just the last couple of months. He's been poor since probably about sort of March time, March, April time. He played pretty well in February, didn't he? Won um won Rio, didn't he? Beat Alcaraz. Beat Alcaraz, yeah. Yeah, and since then, nothing's really gone his way. Something's gone wrong with him. Looking at his stats in the last ten matches, Cam Norrie three seven win loss, and the service points one return points one total of ninety nine. That's not really, that's not really top twenty material. It's very similar actually stats to Pullman's his last ten main level matches. Exactly the same win rate three seven Pullman's. And a 98 total for Pullman. So on those raw stats, to the level that Cam Norrie's playing at the minute, 
isn't barely any better than, than what Pullman's is capable of at this level. Um, Norrie's Asian swing form isn't isn't convincing either. Six and six win losses career. He's only ever won back to back matches once on this stage of the tour. Um, added to that, Norrie's not won any of his last ten best of three set matches in fewer than twenty three and a half games. So, I think with the motivation factor of Polman's, I'm not convinced that Norrie will be highly motivated. Even even if he is. He's not playing at a great level. So I expect him to be challenged here in some way. So um, I've taken the over 22 and a half total games here. That's um, It was plus plus money, plus 118 with Bet Rivers. It might have even gone out now if you're saying the lines have changed. Um, the 22 and a half is actually, which I'm looking at 21 and a half. 21 and a half is over at minus 110. Uh, 22 and a half, going to find it. Where are we going to find it? Uh, 22 and a half now is available at plus 123. Okay, so it's even better. Um, yeah, happy to take that. It's it's a match that Cam Norrie on paper, on the basis of what he's achieved in his career, should win, but he's not playing at that level at the moment. I'm, as I said, I'm not entirely sure what the issue with him, whether he's been carrying a physical injury for a while or whether it's just Another issue, I don't know, but he certainly isn't playing his best tennis or anything like his best tennis. So I'm I'm happy to take a chance that Polman's can at least press him here. So over 22 and a half for me there. Now that match starts at 7.30 a.m. Eastern time. So if you're not up nice and early, watch your, have your breakfast and hopefully watch a long match between Polman and Norrie and cash some tickets before the Premier League starts. And if you want to watch the Premier League action, uh, you want to preview the Premier League, you can do on our podcast, Betting Weekly Premier League, and also on our YouTube channel, the Betting Weekly Studios. Download, uh, sorry, subscribe to that, and you'll get the this podcast there and the live show on the Premier League. Um, before we move on, Sean, uh, so one thing I'm going to say, Andy Murray starts at 5 a.m. I never mentioned the, the the start for the Andy Murray match, 5 a.m. Eastern time tomorrow. Uh, before we move on, Sean, we have a couple of questions. We usually open up. Anyone's got any questions, just put it at the bottom of the YouTube video or if you send us a direct message on Twitter or send it to Because We Win on Twitter, I'm more than happy to read out any questions you have. We have a question from Andy's4910. Hello, Andy's4910. It says, hi, guys. Really enjoy the show. Keep, keep up the good work. My question is, what's been your highest odds outright win over the years? And is there a particular player who's always served you well when betting them? Also... Who's your preference of the big three? So three questions we have there, Sean. The first one is, what's your biggest winner? What's your what's your ever what's the biggest tip you've ever had or the biggest winner you've had on the future mark on the tennis event? I think you'll remember this as as well as I do. It was um when when I had Marion Bartley at six hundred and eighty to one to win Wimbledon back in oh, was it two thousand fourteen? Uh, I know I backed. I know that year I. Back. You had Flipkins. Flipkins. She was in the final, and I backed she her a thousand. Se- she was in the semis, wasn't she? Semi-final. She, that semi-final. I backed her a thousand. So we and I got. Oh yeah, I got Bartley at six hundred and eight. I've had a few of them. I had Panetta as well to win the U.S. Open at about six hundred to one. She was another. So, but most of those, both of those, obviously women's um, bets. As far as the, the men's are concerned, um, quite a few decent off the top of my head. I remember back in Isner to win Miami hundred to one. Um, so yeah, quite a few. Serendulu last season. Serendula, yeah, he was he was a big one, sixty to one. Yes, yeah, so there's, there's been a few. A, a team it was another one, eighty to one. Indian Wells a few years ago. So yeah, over the not not this season, unfortunately, no. but over the years. Well, we're, we're no. not we're not over yet, Sean. Come on, we're not over yet. But we had um, Rublev at thirty three earlier, didn't we? But 
Yeah, plenty of big big price winners over the years. Jack Sock, another one to win um to win the Paris Masters 2017, I think that was. That was about 80 to 1 as well. So yeah, I've had some quite pleasing ones over the My years. My biggest winner on the futures was last year, Lorenzo Massetti, when he won Hamburg. Yeah, I had to tell you he won. You were in Vegas, weren't you? I was in Vegas, yeah. And that was my that was my biggest ever win. And I had a big win this year on the women's when I was in Miami. I bet Petra Kvitova. Oh, Kvitova, yeah. And she won, I I, I think I bet her at 66 to 1. Maybe, I think 66 to 1. But they were my two biggest ever wins. And Sean's obviously gone the monster one there, 680 to 1 or 661 Bartoli to win. You're not going to get much better than that. Um over the years, who's the tennis players that have served you well? I've actually, I got this message last night, actually, Sean. I've only I'll have to on think you. about this, but go on. Well, I've only pulled it on you, literally, just before the show, told you the, the question we had. But I actually went, I actually keep records of all my bets over the years. And uh, I, I had a spreadsheet of, and I could just look at it and see who the players that made me the most money. And when I was really betting tennis, which was a long, I, I still bet tennis now, I bet where you do, but I, I'm nowhere near as much I used to bet tennis. The two players who've made me the most money, you got to remember, I'm from a generation like you, sort of end, end of the 90s, early 2000s. You've got two players. Who do you think? That, I'm gonna, you, you can have three guesses of, until you get one player. Two players that made me the most money. I've done that. One of them. The geese are going to be utterly random, though, aren't they? Well, they're, they're players around about the, the late 90s, early 2000s. Who were, they were both sort of top 10, top 16 players, but they were... They were, they were they were capable of beating be people anybody. at big prices. It could be absolutely anybody. Well, we've it? mentioned one of them on the show, Fernando Gonzalez. Oh, he was one of my favourite players to yeah. watch. He was my favourite player actually at that time. And the other player was Sebastian Grosjean. Oh yeah, little Seb Grosjean. Yeah, yeah. And he made me money by betting him and opposing him as well. Some of them you just can get a level on, can't you? You can just get a read on. Some of you you can't get a read on. I'll have to think about which ones have served me best. As far as the outrights are concerned, I always used to like backing Victor Estrella Burgos in Quito at the <laughs> at the at the really, really high altitude. He he just kept winning the tournament, 33 to 1, 25 to 1. Every year nobody fancied him. And pretty much every year he either won it or made the final. Off the top of my head, that's that's one I, I remember pretty well. Um I don't keep a record of the actual match bets as far as who they are. As soon as as soon as one match is over, that's that's gone out of my head. Um completely so i don't i don't keep those sort of records like you do to be honest i know i know who we can put uh, who's, who's cost us the most money sebastian corda tim henman over Ugo the years on cost Ugo on there. tim henman's oh, cost me so much money um well, i've tell the guy ever back tim henman not oh, even once I, I, I bet him and i've opposed him i bet him i opposed him massively once against courier i think in the australian open and he, uh, the french open he went two sets to love up i think he beat him i think he beat him in the in, in the french open in he reached the quarterfinals one year and I've lost so much money. He got to the semis one year. Yeah, that was the year. I opposed him every round thinking he's never going to win this game, never going to win this match. He got through the semifinals. How he won it, I never know. But um, I, I can't remember. I think it was Courier beat. I think he beat Courier in the He played Courier. He played yes, Courier. Guillermo Courier. I can't remember whether he won or lost, but he definitely played yeah, him. He beats a couple of players that you would never expect him to beat that run to the to semifinals. But that, he cost me more money than anybody. And finally, who's, your, who's, your, who's the one out of the top three that's um, served you the most? What does he mean in terms of? I think I think like in terms of you, you you've bet on or you've you, you've got with out the, the Djokovic and Nadal era and, and Federer era. I think Federer for me. I didn't used to bet them very much. I was always trying to kind of get those ones beat because they were always. They well, were always I called Federer seat. the year he won Wimbledon, so that he, that was it done. I, I I got the money the year he won Wimbledon, so I I, I didn't the, the year he won Wimbledon. 
The first year he won Wimbledon. The oh, very the first, first year. year. Sorry, I meant... Was it Philippoussis he beat in the, in the first year? I can't he, yeah, think he, the beat, final. he beat Sampras in the semis, didn't he? He beat Hemman on the way and then he beat Sampras. He definitely beat Philippoussis one year in the final. I can't remember what it was. Um, I didn't... I haven't really had much success in terms of betting them. I mean, they're, they're always, you know, federal... They're all short prices, weren't they? They're, they're not the kind of people that I would normally bet much money on i thought the question was was who did i who do i prefer who was my favorite i thought that was the question no i think it's who served you the well i think it's who's the one is not the answer is none of them none of them. <laughs> none of them not a single one probably in the dark because i used to i used to back him uh he's the only player that i would back at a short price to win a tournament because he was he was almost guaranteed to win the french open wasn't he every year um so i didn't mind putting a little bit on him at like five to four those, those sort of prices i didn't mind but other than that, those three haven't served me well at all, to be honest. Uh, the um, one other player I, I always remember cost me a fortune was the Pat Rafter when he played at Goran Ivanisevic. That was the year I first really started getting into betting. And I've got I bet... Goran up there. Like, he's he's up yeah. on the back of my wall with a yeah, Wimbledon trophy. Well, if I was there, that'd be coming down. Pat Rafter cost me... Um, Ivanisevic cost me so much money in that final. Going on to the Monday, I remember trading it live for a sports book in, in, in the UK. And everybody come in on the Monday because it was rather delayed. It would come on the Monday. The company desperately needed Rafter to win. I needed Rafter to win for an absolute fortune. And that tiebreak in the, in the final set, when it went on, the match went on in the final set, it wasn't tiebreak, it was the sudden death of you know, the best of two, clear two matches. And uh, the whole of the desk was cheering every point of Filipusi, uh, of, of Ivanisevic. And I, I was one of the only times, one, well. one of the only times I lost the plot. I just turned around and said, "Listen, do you lot know this is costing you a fortune here? Can you please shut them up, please?" <laughs> and 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 I and uh, it was more of my money there. That that cost me a lot of money. That one. Anyway, uh, we can we can talk about these. And hopefully, you've clearly not forgotten it. Twenty no, years I haven't. later. Hopefully, hopefully we'll be <laughs> ad- adding Nishioka to the list of winners uh, on Tuesday or, or the weekends. Is the final Tuesday? Monday. Monday, Tuesday. It should be Tuesday, I think. Tuesday. Okay, uh, that's been it for the week. It's the first week of the Asian Swing. The results haven't really gone our way yet, but uh, you know, tomorrow's another day, and hopefully, we can catch a twenty to one ticket. One bet from Sean. Uh, is it one official bet or two official bets? Uh, the two official bets. Do you want me to recap them, please? Yeah, over twenty-two and a half total games. Uh, I think you said that was plus one twenty-three. Now with Bet Rivers in the match between Polmans and Norrie, and the other bet was just Karatsev to beat. Murray around about 2.2. Yeah, plus 120 there is. So they're the two uh, matches, both in Zhuhai, starting around about five o'clock Eastern time in the morning on Saturday morning. So make sure you get your bets on now. Head to the Bet Rivers website. Remember, you can follow us four ways to follow us. You can download this podcast, Betting Weekly, Game Bet Match on your preferred podcast provider. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thank you very, very much for everyone who subscribed to this huge amount of subscriptions on the YouTube channel over the last week with the brilliant work they're doing on the soccer, the Champions League boys absolutely won fortunes over the week. And obviously the Europa League was great for them as well. You can down uh, subscribe to that. It's the betting weekly studios and follow all our content on the socials on Twitter and Instagram at because we win, keep the questions coming in. We'd like to ask you any of your questions and we go down, reminisce about the big wins and the bad losses we've had. Uh, have a great weekend, Sean. I'll catch you, you again on Tuesday. Good luck with Nishiokai. Good luck tomorrow uh, opposing the Brits. Uh, Alexander Karatsev and Mark Palmer's Cam Norrie won loads of games. Good luck. Take care.